I feel like my generation of people, like none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know who to ask. And like my parents aren't very helpful either. So I'm just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here with my guest today, Mira. Hi, Mira. Hi. I love your fake name. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so my fake name is actually my also like Korean name because I am a Korean American. And um, <laughs> I recently found out that it means look in Spanish when I went down there. Um, and we're helping out some kids. And then they said, don't use your real name because it's hard to pronounce in English. Um, I mean, in Spanish. So use your Korean name because it's easier to say in Spanish. So I was like, okay. So my Korean name is Mira. And all the kids started running around and pointing at me and they're like, Mira, 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 Mira. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so so funny. So it's not, okay. So it's not a Spanish name. It's a Korean name. Yes. It's a Korean name. Oh, awesome. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, that's fun because I feel like choosing the fake name is, can be one of the harder parts of the podcast because not everybody has like their alter ego name or a fake name ready to go. So I was like, to ask how you come up with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, very cool. Okay, so why don't you give us the rundown? How old you are, where you're from, what you do, how much you make, all that jazz. Okay, so I am 24 years old. Um, I am working as a manufacturing engineer. Um, I just graduated from school and got my bachelor's in 2020, the best year to graduate. <gasps> you, were a you were a COVID graduate. I oh, am no. a COVID graduate. I'm Did you get to have a graduation ceremony? No, we didn't. Oh. <laughs> it makes me sad. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like it was more for my parents anyways, um, <laughs> because I didn't really want to sit out in the hot sun all day. Um, but it was kind of unfortunate that, like, I didn't get to see, like, my friends and my classmates for the last time because it was just, like, right. so abruptly cut off. And then we just didn't have school anymore. So it's kind of weird. Oh, my God. I didn't even actually think about that part. I just kind of thought about, like, the pomp and circumstance of, like, having the robe and the gown, you know, mm -hmm. like, the cap and, like, walking across the stage. So, yeah, you didn't even get to say goodbye to people. No. Like, I never saw my professor or my classmates ever again for some of them I was just like well that's kind of sad because like everyone moved back home to like wherever they're originally from for the pandemic because why pay rent when you don't have to <laughs> no absolutely yeah. oh I didn't so I didn't think about that yeah you didn't get to say goodbye to anybody yeah it's kind of sad but so sad what a strange time Right. I, I felt bad for people graduating like high school and college. Oh, definitely. You like missed out on the normal experience. My heart really goes out for the high schoolers because they didn't even get like prom. Right? I know. Yeah, no prom. <laughs> All those things that you like can't wait to do. And then 2020 came and was like, nope. Yeah. Not happening. My heart goes out. Oh, wow. Okay. So 2020 is your, your graduating year. Okay. So 24 years old, manufacturing engineer. Uh -huh. Where are you living? What area? Okay. So that's kind of interesting because I'm originally from Southern California and okay. then um, I'm in a rotational program with my company. So because oh, you're man, you're because you're engineering. Okay. So yeah. And it's like a college grad program. So I was actually really lucky. They didn't retract my offer um, during COVID. They let me keep my job 
but they're, I was the only one they hired. They were supposed to hire four people, but they only hired me. Wow. Well, good. Congrats. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So my first rotation because of COVID was in California. Then I moved to Ohio and then now I'm in Seattle. Wow. Okay. And then how many places are you going to go? Three. So this is my last rotation. So it's a two-year program. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Okay, great. And then at the end of the program, what happens? At the end of the program, I kind of have a nice conversation with my manager and I give him like my top three places I'd like to go to. Um, and I'm applying for a master's program right now. Um, so depending on where I get into school, I'm only applying for West Coast. So like California um, and Washington. Um, okay. That's where they'll decide or they'll like kind of facilitate where I end up for my final placement because they don't want me to like leave the company. I was going to say you're going to work and do your master's. Yeah, I'm planning on working and doing my master's. Now, does the company pay for it? They'll pay for up to $10,000 worth. Okay, nice. Uh Well, that's nice. Yeah. And is the master's in engineering or is it in? It'd be in engineering. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. I wasn't sure if you like specialize more or. Um, yeah I'm like interested in maybe teaching in the future so like right now because of COVID they waived the GRE so like I was like why not apply now and you know just get it out of the way so that if I do want to teach later I at least have it under my belt versus like having to take the GRE later and also have to worry about school and relearning calculus and stuff I was like that does not sound fun (laughs) yeah no and pay full boat so Mm -hmm. they're going to give you 10,000 towards it yeah, definitely. Okay, perfect. Okay, so we're we're bopping around a little. So you're and then how much do you make? That was the other question. So that's like also an interesting question because I get like a base salary of like sixty three approximately, but because okay. I move around constantly, the way how they adjust for like the difference in salary for like where you live, because Ohio is obviously a lot cheaper than California. Right. Um, is that they give me a living stipend. So that living stipend kind of like adjusts for the cost of living for wherever they send me. Um, Perfect. So in California, I was getting an additional fifteen hundred dollars a month. In Ohio, I was getting an additional eight hundred. And now in Seattle, I'm getting eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Perfect. So then we should talk about um, your spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. So just for all of our listeners, if you want to be a guest, you do not have to have a spreadsheet. It seems like at this point, everyone has listened to all the podcasts before coming on, and so everyone is coming on with a spreadsheet. So. I am looking at a very nice spreadsheet. So let's talk about, so your gross income and your net income here, that net income is just based off that 63,000, not including the housing allowance. Is that correct? Um, or it's what? based off like monthly. So monthly. okay. So yeah. 38, 24, is that with the housing though, or without the housing allowance? They provide? Um, uh, I think that's without the housing. Okay. That's kind of what I thought. I figured that was just based on the 63,000. Yeah. Then my next question for you is, the amount that's going into the 401k, like mm-hmm. the amount you have for deductions, is that coming off of that 3800 Yes. Okay. So then we really have net that you're spending monthly. You have approximately, well, a little under 3000 Oh, with the housing segment, a little bit over. I should have put that A little bit there. over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, so your deductions are 876 and then your net income is 3824 so three thousand eight twenty four minus your eight seventy six in deductions gets you to twenty nine forty eight plus you get you said eight hundred for housing eleven hundred in oh. Seattle yeah eleven right we're in Seattle sorry mm-hmm. let me mark down like we're Seattle eleven hundred so then you have four thousand we'll just say four thousand a month to work with does that sound uh-huh. right that sounds about right okay 
So it's nice they give you housing. Do they pay the rent directly or do they just? No, they just say, here's money and you could do whatever you want with it. (laughs) (laughs) Even better. Okay. So then for expenses, you have, I'm just going to use wrong numbers, rent at approximately 1300, internet at 35, electricity, 35, uh, other utilities, 90, groceries at, this is a very specific grocery amount, 444 and 51. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I have mint. So mint just told me that was how much oh, I spent okay. on groceries. Normally everybody's like 300, 600, 250. <laughs> so I'm just, so very, <laughs> just want to point out all your other ones are pretty much even numbers, except for that one. Um, okay. <laughs> So then your renter's insurance is 725 car and insurance payments, 500 gasoline, 137 for a grand total of approximately 2,500. Yeah, 2,500. And then your other expenses, parking, 50, coffee, eating out. What's it's vertical like, world? <laughs> it's a climbing gym. I was going to ask if it was a climbing, climbing gym. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I'm taking guess. Okay. Travel, makeup, beauty. And then we have Google, Spotify, Lightroom, Acorns, Planet Fitness. Oh, I have to call this one out because I love this. Icon Pass. Are you skier? Yes, I snowboard. Yay. I'm a huge skier. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Why I'm in Utah. And then, so Icon Pass, we have iPhone, Amazon, Amazon, Target, all different things. Piano. I bought a piano last month. Okay. That is one I have. You're the first and only person in their budget who has a piano. So I just wanted to highlight that one. <laughs> well, I was like, I felt like I couldn't just like throw it somewhere else. I felt like I had to like specify like this is where this absurd amount of money <laughs> went to. So how long are we having the piano? How long is the piano for? That is a big one. Well, it's a keyboard. So like depending on where I end up, hopefully I could just move it with me. Okay. But no, yeah. but I mean, how long is the 600 a month? Like how long is that payment for? Oh, I just or- paid it up front. Oh, okay. So that's just a one-time variable. It's a one-time, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was like, did you buy like a grand piano for $600? No, I bought a piano. I wish grand pianos were $600. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, is this a payment program? Okay. No, no, no. So we come down to total expenses and that I just want to confirm. All of the things I just listed out come to $2,400. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. For all the variable. For all the random things I bought this month. Yeah, for all the fun stuff. Yeah, that's not essential. <laughs> not essential. So, okay, and then we did, and you had basically 2500 on the essential spending. So rent, internet, mm-hmm. gas, all the, you know, groceries, yeah. all the survival stuff, the things you need no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that brings you to $4,900. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're a bit over budget here. Just a tad. I, I blame the, the piano. <laughs> the, the, the piano definitely threw you over for sure because that was a big I'm glad I was worried it was a monthly payment so I'm glad that it's a 600 one-time expense versus no. a 600 you know repeating recurring monthly expense yeah okay so a little over this month hey that happens okay so then let's talk about it looks like you're putting into so let's start with because you know I'm a big fan of retirement mm-hmm. so let's talk about how that's broken down. So the 876 that we had already, you know, before you get your pay deposited, mm-hmm. um, that's broken down between 
your 401k Roth and health insurance? Yeah. So because I'm under 26, I'm technically still under my um, parents' insurance. Parents? So I'm only paying my $3 a month for vision because I have really bad eyesight. Okay. <laughs> so I have double vision insurance right now and I'm still paying out of pocket. <laughs> okay. Well, nice that you're on your parents' insurance still. So that's great. Yeah. And then what, so what is going, how much is going into the 401k and the Roth? So you have a Roth outside of work. I'm taking it. Um, the 401k and Roth are both through work. Okay. So you're doing a 401k Roth? Yeah. Full, is all your money going into the Roth option? Um, I think it's split the, when okay. I made it. Yeah. Between okay, so like have... 40, 60. So 60 is going to the Roth and like 40 is going to the 401k. Perfect. Okay. So 40, so they're both, they're both 401k. So just the breakdown is you're doing the 401k pre-tax and the 401k Roth. Uh-huh. So 60% of the contribution goes into the Roth option and then 40% goes into the pre-tax option. Yes. So, right. Okay. And then what is, what is going, what amount is going in there like monthly? Um, so my company matches me. They just recently changed it to 5%. So oh, before nice. it was four and then, um, I'm putting in, I think 10% of my own money. In there. Perfect. And then they're giving you a 5% match. So it's about 15% going in. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So you doing 10%, which would be 6,300 a year divided by 12. Yeah. It would be 525 approximately a month. Okay. And then they're putting another 5%. So that's great. So it's 15% total. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Okay. How much do you know how much you have in there now? I know you I just could check right now. Money. Okay. Yeah. Let's check. I, I just know that every time I check, I'm like shocked at how much is in there for the amount of time I've been working. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the market has done really well, so it's yeah. all invested, obviously, because otherwise it would be the same. It wouldn't be changing still, in value as like much. I haven't worked for that long. I have $21,000 in there right now. That's fantastic. 21146 Perfect. That's fantastic. Also, is it possible that maybe you're doing a little more than 10%? I might be doing a little bit more than 10%. Okay. Cause... Oh, you know why? I think it automatically goes up by a percent or something like that at the end of the year if you don't change it. Per, that's amazing. So then you're probably doing 12%. Which that, or you will be doing 12% mm-hmm. soon. That's great that they automatically, because you know, I love to just say an easy way to increase your contribution to work is every time you get a raise to split it with yourself. Like, so if you get a 2% raise, 1% in the 401k. Mm. Yeah, it's really, it's painless, right? Because you're already not used to having it. So, yeah. Okay. So you're probably actually doing 11 or 12% and then the company's doing five. So you're at like 17%, which is great. So seven, so let's just say you're at 11, the company's at five, so you're at 16 off of your base salary, 63,000 and 16% is going in there. That's 10,000 plus whatever the account's growing to. So that's great. Uh-huh. It's really lovely. You have the match. Okay. So let's talk about other, do you have an emergency fund? Um, I have like my checking account that I just like make sure I have some money in. Okay. I don't know if that counts as an emergency fund. Well, it can count. How much do you have in your checking account? Right now I have like 10.5. 10,500? Yeah. Perfect. Okay, good. Because I, since you were negative this month, you just pulled it out of there. So when you when you go over, uh-huh. like the piano came out of there. And then do, do, do. let's talk about debt. Do you have student loans? I do not. Ooh, lovely. Okay, fantastic. I'll check that off. And then do you have any credit card debt? I don't. Great. Which is All right. Good. Yeah. What? <laughs> I was like, which is good. I used to when I was in school. <laughs> I had no, debt that's everywhere. Great. <laughs> no, that's great. 
Um, okay. So, the, and I love that the 401k at 24 is already at 21,000. That's fantastic. And you have a good cushion in your, so you can count that money, the extra money that you have in your checking account as an emergency fund. Okay. It, it's all personal preference. I personally like to separate it out so that I don't think of it as like my money to spend. I think of it as like the emergencies. Got that it. Come up. So I just separate it out so that out of sight, out of mind works for me. But if you always keep a good buffer in there, that can totally work as your emergency fund. Because we just went over your necessary spending, you know, mm-hmm. it's roughly 2,500. So, you know, 2,500 times six months, that's 15,000. But you, you know, or 2,500, let's say start with three months, that's 7,500. So you have at least a three month buffer if God forbid mm-hmm. you lost your job. Mm-hmm. So that's a great, and also because you just started, I mean, how long have you been working now? Almost a year and a half, not yet. Right. So you already have a great chunk of change in the 401k. You already have a decent emergency fund. So you're moving right along. So I think that's great. So, But if you want to keep it in your checking for simplicity, so you don't have another account, that's fine. You don't have to necessarily have it in a separate account. It's just about having extra money. So when an emergency happens, you have that Mm -hmm. cash available. I also have like stocks and like random thing like that I've invested in. I was going to ask you any other things I should know about. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that obviously like fluctuates on the daily. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what do you have like an investing account? Yeah. So I have like a Robinhood and I also have TD Ameritrade and Merrill Edge and Acorns. Wait, how many do you have? <laughs> Four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you have with all with all of and those are all structured just as in an individual account. So they're all just in your name. They're not retirement accounts. Correct. They're all separate. Okay. So what do you have between all of the different trading accounts? So right now, um, in Robinhood, I have ten point three. Okay. And then in Merrill Edge, let's say it's stayed the same. So it's like around like four thousand one hundred, so four point one. Okay. And then T D Ameritrade is like one point one. And then Acorns is like 1.4. Okay. Yeah. Because awesome. like when you round up or like Acorns will like round up and just like use the change to invest yeah. or something. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay. So between all of them and Merrill was about 4,100. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So you have another 16,900 in there. Mm-hmm. So have you saved all of this since you started working or were you saving some of this while you were still in school? I was also like investing a little bit when I was in school or I started okay. the, like acorns when I was in school. Okay. Um, and then when I graduated, I got some money that I just threw in there because I didn't know what to do Perfect. with it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So you already have a lot saved. So between the investing accounts and we'll just say of the checking account, 8,000 of it is emergency fund. So you, you mm-hmm. know, some for the budget plus what you have in the 401k you have about almost 50,000 saved up which is a lot which is a lot <laughs> you're making 63,000 a year and you know not including the stipend but you're making 63,000 a year and you've only been making that for a year and a half and you have almost that state an entire year's worth of salary saved up that's in that true. time frame yeah that's a good way to look at it uh-huh okay so what are your what questions do you have what goals do you have yeah so like um because I'm planning on getting like a master's mm-hmm. and so my dilemma is like if I so I went to Ohio I didn't like Ohio <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, 
Um, I want to stay on the West Coast and go to school on the West Coast. But if I don't get into school in like Washington, um, I might go to LA to go to school. And then that means that I might potentially leave my company just because okay. we don't have any like facilities in LA. Um, Got it. I'll be like two hours south of LA. And I think it'd be kind of crazy dealing with traffic going there and then also going to school. So as like financially wise, like, do you have any, cause like my undergrad was pretty cheap compared to other schools. Okay. Which is why I don't have any debt. Student loan debt. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a very affordable undergrad, which I'm grateful for, but from a master's, it would be super expensive. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I like love that you have no student loan debt and so much saved already. Uh-huh. Like I'm loving this. I'm like very hesitant to see you get into a lot of debt and not work. Yeah. I was like, I'd probably like intern over the summer or something. Okay. But that wouldn't be nearly as much as what I'm making right now. Yeah. And also because the master's isn't necessarily going to increase your pay, is it? It could help. Okay. Because it would be in like robotics automation which is like a very oh, niche niche and needed skill set right okay now. yeah hmm. I think that if I were you I would weigh out what it's going to cost and also what that's going to look like to pay off mm-hmm. versus so like if you don't get into a program where it's near your company Mm-hmm. So if you got into a program in Washington, you would continue working. They would also help pay for it. Correct. And you would still go to school. Yeah, because I would just go part-time. Okay. To me, time. that's like the dream. Yeah, From, your, from a financial standpoint, <laughs> that's a dream. <laughs> uh-huh. Because then you get everything, right? We're still saving for retirement. We're still making money. You're going to get this education and not be burdened with as many student loans mm-hmm. if you go to LA what do you think LA is going to run Ooh, um so I'm only applying for two programs out there okay I'm only applying to three schools in total um and okay. so the two schools I'm applying for in LA are USC and UCLA which are notoriously both expensive <laughs> <laughs> oh dear okay I just feel like price tags are here going off in my head so what do you so the program price tag is it it's two years yeah, it's about two years. Okay, and so what does it? What's the tick, sticker price on those? So what sucks is that those schools are in California, and because I haven't been living in California for a year, I wouldn't have residency status for the first year. First year, okay. I would have it the second year because I qualify for everything else other than like not living in the state for the first okay. year. Because there's like all these requirements where it's like you can't just be here for school because you don't qualify. And I'm like, no, I grew up there. I went to high school there. Like all the other boxes right. are checked except for I haven't lived there for the last year because of this program. Program. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so what's that price tag for the year, the, for the expensive year? I think that if I were to like worst case scenario, if I were to go to USC, it'd be like 65 for a year. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say. And then what is it if you're a resident? If you're a resident, I think it goes down by like 10K. So it would be like 55. 55. Still a lot, but. Still a lot. Okay, so yeah. this is a $100,000 investment. Yeah, be a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. And then what And what would you think the salary would be when you came out with that? 
Um, so I know that if I were to stay at my job now, so like right now I'm in like this weird, like corporate intern level. Okay. <laughs> so once I'm done with this program, if I were to stay here and then work as like a automation engineer, my manager told me he'd pay me around like 90, um, starting, which is really good. So I was and like, that oh, would be without like a master's without a master's. And that would be like, like in a year or yeah. No, in one year. So in like, one year you'd go from 63 to 90. Yeah. Okay. Approximately. So that's I'm a great a, jump. Yeah, it would be an excellent jump. And Washington has no state tax, which is nice too. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. And you like Washington? I do like Washington. Well, right now, Presumably. it's really, it's raining every day and it's really dark okay. all morning. And then it gets dark really fast at night. But it was really nice in the summertime. <laughs> okay. So we're like on the fence about Washington, we're but we fence. like that you're on the West Coast. Okay. Yes. All right. And then if you went and got this $100,000 master's degree, mm-hmm. would your income? It would definitely go up. Um, like like 150000 a year? It depends on like who I'd want to work for. Work for. Okay. Like if I wanted to work for Amazon, like recently Amazon like offered me and then I didn't take it because it's 95% travel, but it's like robotics and automation. Ooh. And they were going to like offer me like a hundred. So I was okay. like- that's like entry level. Right? right. So if I were to work for like Amazon again, but like later, they'd probably pay me even more. Okay. Um. So I think it just depends on like what industry you work in. You work in. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. So this is hard because I feel like this is not a purely financial decision, right? So this is more of where you want your career to be. Uh-huh. So... I think as long as you run the numbers and you make the decision from a, a return on investment standpoint. So I'm going to go in, I want to go into robotics because mm-hmm. this is the field I want to be in versus manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to invest a hundred thousand in my education to then go down the avenue, you know, where it's going to pay me so I can pay off that master's degree because now I'm in a field that I want to be in. And it's, a, you know, Obviously, if you're going to spend 100000 you want to be – it helps if you're then in an industry where you get paid to help pay pay that off, right? Because if you go to work for Amazon, there isn't – you're not going to be in like the public loan forgiveness arena, right? You're going to be paying that back yourself because you're going to be in, ideally making good money. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason why you want to go to school now is just so that it's you just got done with school. So just to get it all out of the way. Yeah. Don't have to take the GRE. Um... Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, because I don't want to study for a standardized test again. <laughs> <laughs> and so you would start school basically in another, like, After my months? program ends. Yeah, so, like, yeah. next fall. Next fall. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Okay, uh-huh. so by that point, you would have a decent amount already in your 401k, ideally, right? Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't touch that? No. Okay. One thing you could do while you're in school, if you're not working, I love the idea of you working and doing it, uh-huh. obviously, if I'm giving my financial, if I'm putting the finances first, I like the idea of you still having an income and you're getting work experience, right? Yeah. Definitely. So you have, you have work experience on your resume, you're getting a good income, you're saving for retirement, you're doing all things at once. It's a lot, but you're doing all things at once, right? Mm-hmm. That would be my like preference if I got to say. If not, what you could do is if you're going to do school full time, you then don't have an income per se once you get, you know, that following fall, you know, that following year after, you you know, you worked 
you start school in September, let's say you work for eight months up to it, and then you start school in September, the following year, you would have the opportunity, if it's still allowed with our with our tax code, is to take your 401k and probably convert that from the portion that's the 40% IRA you could convert into the Roth because you'd be oh, in a lower bracket. Yeah. So then when you came out of your master's program, you know, after that two-year time frame, ideally that 401k value would be 100% Roth versus 60-40. Mm-hmm. And you would pay ideally less tax on it because you have no income, just the internship money or, right? Because you're not yeah. really working full time. So if you're going to go the full time school route, just keep that in your back pocket that maybe that is an opportunity to convert that 401k piece to full Roth so that when you come out of school, now you have your master's degree and the monies that you had saved in the 401k prior to doing full time school, let's just say that gets up to 30,000. Mm-hmm. That's now all Roth. And then I would get to pull it out tax-free later. After five years and 59 and a half. Yep, exactly. Got it. And if you think you're going to go that avenue, maybe then even switch the 401k to be like 50-50, right? Mm Because why pay tax on it now if you know you're going to be in a zero bracket while in school? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's another, but you're an engineer. So these are numbers you can crunch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can like throw these into a spreadsheet and be like, okay, here, you know, I'm in school fall. And here's where I think internships are going to pay. Here's where I think I'm going to fall tax wise. This is how much I could convert. You can also get, you obviously would get an accountant, but the accountant won't know what your, you know, projected income is going to be. That's, you know, for you. So that's one thing to consider. If you're going to do school full time, consider getting that Roth all over to, uh, that 401k all over to Roth. So when you come out of school and you're 26 or 27, all the monies you'd save prior are now Roth. Got it. So at a lower bracket, because if you then finish your master's program and you do the LA one and you now work at Amazon, you're going to be in a much higher bracket. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so take advantage of this. So this is a way to be strategic with your finances. Okay. Does that make sense? And is there a fee to like transfer it from? Yes, you pay tax. That's why you want to look at your, that's why you'd want to confirm with an accountant. But if let's say the one year where you're a full-time student, so it wouldn't be 2022, it'd be 2023. Mm-hmm. If that year you're a full-time student and you don't really have any income, you have zero income. Yeah. Then when you convert it, let's say 15,000 of the Roth, of the monies that are in the 401k that are pre-tax over to the Roth. I'm just using a phantom number. Yeah. You would pay tax on that 15,000 as if it was income. Got it. But then if you have no income that year, except for that, then all you have is 15,000. Got it. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay. So I'm not a tax professional. So my disclaimer is you need to confirm with a tax professional, but that's the concept of how the conversion works and how Mm -hmm. they can be advantageous when you have zero income years, because right now, Let's just say you're in the 22% bracket. If you have no income, you're in a zero. At 15,000 of income, you're probably at like a 10% bracket. If, if if even that. You're probably not at anything because you'd have your standard deduction. So you're probably still at zero. Uh-huh. So that's the difference. So right now you're paying, let's say, 22% tax mm-hmm. or, well, you're in Washington, so you're not paying state tax, but but you're paying federal Mm-hmm. So you're paying, we'll use 20 as a round number, using, you're losing 20% to the feds, and then mm-hmm. you're investing it. And versus if you did a conversion, when you have that one year where you have no income, potentially because you're a full-time student, you could pay zero to move those IRA dollars into Roth. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. 
That's okay. genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you just need to confirm with a tax professional. But that's what I did. That was the, ex- the example I give all the time with Natasha, with my sister. When she went to law school, she had 60000 in her 401k. And then she decided to go to law school because she wanted to do a career change, you know, different industry. And so law school's three years. So we had basically two and a half years really because she studied for the bar and didn't get a job that, you know, last year of law school. Mm-hmm. So we had really three, almost three calendar years because that's how the taxes go of no income. So we converted 20000 a year and she owed in total over the three years $1,000 for taxes. Wow. Yeah, which is great because then we made a proactive strategic move with her finances to take advantage of the fact that she was going to be a full-time student. Mm-hmm. So you could do the same thing. So if you're going to be full-time, you also want to be strategic. So that would be a way to be strategic. Yeah, if you're not full-time, right. you'll still be saving, which is awesome. Which I love. Yeah. Um, but there's ways to take advantage of both situations. Well, I was like, well, in Washington, the school would be way cheaper because I oh, would, would be considered be nice. a Washington resident right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would have to pay out of state additional fees for the first year. And then on top of that, my company would pay the 10K and then I would take longer than the two years to graduate because I'd be only a part-time student. So my company would probably cover the whole thing. Oof. Ooh, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go full-time if I was working full-time because I'd probably hate my life. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, you're, you think the company would end up being able to cover the majority of it? Yeah. Because Washington tuition, like for in resident because I would have lived in Washington for a year by the time I go to school Mm -hmm. if I get into school in Washington okay yeah so I'd basically be going to school for really really cheap or free okay so you know that I'm going to say that's my favorite option (laughs) yeah definitely yeah okay so that's my favorite option but you know everyone has their own path so Mm -hmm. if you're going to do the LA one then just be strategic about potentially converting so that you know when you get out of school you've your finances are kind of taking advantage of that opportunity but uh-huh. I would say my preference is going to school and having it not owing anything it, there is something really nice about not owing anybody anything 100% the only debt I have right now is for my car <laughs> yes that's a nice it's a nice place to be so yeah. I would see where you get in um, I'm like really hoping you get into Washington <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> Because then, then that would be great. Like, let's say it takes you four years to do it. You have four years of work experience, four years of saving with a great match. Yeah. How, like, oh, so many benefits. And then in four years, you could say, which you're like 20, you'll be 28. You know what? I'm going to switch and go to Amazon and do robotics. Or maybe you even do it earlier. You never yeah. know. No, definitely. But here's like the crazy part. So <laughs> that's like one aspect, right? So I'm like, okay, okay I, I want to go to and do a master's um, and get that out of the way. But I also like really want to go and like travel for six months and just like quit my job at one point, which is why I also have like a lot of money in like stocks. Cause I told myself that if I lose it all in stocks, then that just means no trip for me. (laughs) No, I think that's a great, great way to look at it. So that's like a bucket list item that you want to be able to go and do that. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm not quite sure. Like, how much money like you should or like one if that's a good idea to like put all my money into like stocks or like even like for my like savings like my emergency fund if I should like leave it on like a checking slash savings account because I was like you only get like what like one percent at most not even not even like point zero one percent yeah (laughs) 
So I like the idea of like, if you decided to separate it out saying like 7,500 of that or 8,000 of that is like emergency money. And that is meant to not make you money. It's not meant to be invested because it's meant to be there for an emergency. And God forbid you have an emergency when the market's down. Like for instance, March of 2020, if you had an emergency Mm -hmm. then and you had it in stock, like that would have been a bad time. Mm -hmm. So that is meant to not earn money. That's meant to protect the other investments. And so the travel fund, I have no issue with being in stocks because as you said, it's a future goal. We're not sure when it's going to happen and might as well earn some money on that while it's there. And then if you were to book a trip and say next year, you know, in six months time, I need, you know, 10,000 for this adventure I'm taking. Well, then yes, it should come out of the market, right? Because we mm-hmm. now know you have committed to 10,000 and you don't know what the market's going to be in that six month time frame. Mm-hmm. So Anything that's a shorter term time frame with the bar and emergency fund, because that's something hopefully you have your whole life, in my opinion, shouldn't be invested because the investments are going to be variable. Sometimes they'll be up, sometimes they'll be down. Mm-hmm. So it should be a longer term or longer time horizon when it's invested. And you should have the ability to say, okay, I don't, I'm not going to pull the money if the market's down. Got it. So sense? you should just keep it in like a checkings or a savings account. Your emergency fund. Absolutely. And then like once you earmark for a trip, like if you commit to like taking a trip mm-hmm. um, I, and you're going to use your investments, I would take the money out once you know what the cost is going to be. Like, okay, it's going to be 10000 I'm going to take 10000 out because that's, you don't want to then all of a sudden have to make the pay, you commit it to the payment and let's say it's due in a month, the first of the month. You don't want to mm-hmm. wait and hope to make more money. <laughs> yeah, in definitely. In like 30 days because it also could go down in 30 days, you know? Yeah, as it just kind of like sucks that it like sits there because like the, inflation the goes fund? up. Yeah, because yeah. like, it doesn't even keep up with inflation. Right? No, it doesn't. Right now it doesn't, which is an odd time because typically what you would do is you'd put it into like a CD certificate of deposit or back in the day, money markets made money. So like you, they would earn you interest. And right now, none of those things are really making any money. So normally there's better options. Currently there isn't. Got it. Currently there isn't, but God forbid you had an emergency. You want to always look at your worst case scenario. God forbid you had an emergency and it wasn't the market. The market's down. That's a worst, a worst case scenario. Yeah. Because you're pulling from a down investment. So that is going to, you know, it's much harder to recover from that. Mm-hmm. So at some point in the future, ideally interest rates are better and, you know, short-term investments like a money market or a CD or high-yield savings account will all pay better rates. You just currently aren't. And what is a money market? Oh, a money market? Oh, okay. Great question. A money market is typically found inside of investments accounts and it's supposed to be a cash equivalent. So typically money markets paid you a little bit of interest. So 1%, 2%, probably back in the day, even more. Currently Mm -hmm. money markets, like if you looked inside of your investment accounts, if you put it in a money market, a lot of them are losing money. They're not even a dollar for a dollar. That's horrible. Which is horrible because you put it in so it maintains its value and then you go and look at it and you're like, oh, I'm down like 15 or $20. Like I lost money having it in like a cash alternative, mm-hmm. which is why the bank, even though it's not keeping up with inflation in a, this current environment, it's still, in my opinion, better because a money market could lose money. You don't want to lose money when you're trying to keep a dollar for a dollar. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's not ideal. At least you so, get point zero one percent. Yeah, you get you get something for it. Not a lot, but like and the high yield accounts, like some of the high yield savings accounts are doing more, like half a percent. Okay. Um, or sixty basis points, which is like point six. Um, it's not one percent, but like 
six tenths of a percent. So those are better than nothing, right? So they're, no, they're not keeping in line with inflation, but you're also not losing, which is the key for the emergency fund. That's not meant to, the way I always like to describe it is if your net worth and your investments is the castle, the emergency fund is the moat around it. Got it. That's a good way of like thinking about it. <laughs> I like to visualize it. It like protects everything else. And you want, if we have protection around the castle and the castle, you can build on it. You can, you know, there's all these things you can do to the castle. The mm-hmm. moat is just the moat. It's just going to sit there. Got it. Okay. So that I guess I could just like keep everything how it is right now. I don't know. Is there any like, other than if I have to go to school, is there anything that you'd like recommend I change? The only other thing you could do is I think that, you know, if the fact that you don't love having cash just sitting, Mm -hmm. you could leave the 8,000 as the emergency fund because based on your expenses, you know, that gets you about a little over three months of an emergency fund and with no real debt and as a single person, mm-hmm. that's fine, right? Because it, you know, it's when you have like people relying on your income where you have to have more put a, put aside and you have more obligations and you don't have really, you know, it's just, no. which is why it's so nice to not have debt because you don't owe anybody. So yeah. you could do anything over the 8,000. You could always invest because you have enough to cover an emergency and then you have your investments on top of it. Got it. So you could just stick with a three-month emergency fund and then anything else beyond can go into your investments. Okay. And is it like bad that I have it across like three different, four different companies? Companies? <laughs> no, not really. Um, some people would say that you're diversifying by institution there, not necessarily by investment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, as long as you're keeping track of them, that's fine. And you also... Um, you can make sure, just like with your retirement accounts, with those different individual investment accounts, you can add a beneficiary. So God forbid something happens to you, mm-hmm. you can make sure that they go to who you want them to and they don't you know, just hang out at all those different institutions mm-hmm. waiting for legal documents. So no, I don't have any, as long as you're watching them. Okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. So yeah, I think the big thing is figuring out, and you know, this is a life choice, um, seeing where you get into with the master's degree and then determining, you know, how, what that decision will make financial, I I would look at the financial and career perspective, both of them, like the return on that investment and how, how that feels and how that looks towards meeting your career goals as well. Okay. But if I got, if I got to say, obviously I Mm -hmm. would choose the one where the company pays. (laughs) I was like, if I get into that school, that's where I'll go. (laughs) Okay, cool. All right. Perfect. Yeah. But I need to get in. (laughs) Yes. Well, I have faith in you. I have faith in you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Do you have, uh, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I have one last question. So I haven't ever had like a tax person but since I'm assuming my taxes are going to be horrendous this year because I lived in three different states oh my gosh yes (laughs) (laughs) and I like actually was a resident kind of I had like my car registration and licensing everything is like all over the place right now like I have a Washington driver's license I have Ohio license plates and I have insurance in California (laughs) 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 it's awful so I was like, I don't really like know how to get a tax person. Like, do you just look on the internet and just be like, tax person, I choose you? Or is there like certain things that you should look out for? Or like, great question. So, to do your taxes, you're either going to want a CPA, which um, if you on our website, we have the download going over like the different credentials, like CPA versus what I do, CFP. Mm-hmm. So, CPA is one person who can do your taxes. You also don't have to have the full CPA, you can do, be an IRS enrolled agent. 
I think the best way to choose a professional is to ask someone you trust who they would recommend. I think that that's always a good starting point. So mm-hmm. you could ask somebody, you could ask a colleague you trust or a friend you trust out there, like who do they have that does their taxes? Are they happy? And then start out that way. I think you don't necessarily have to have a CPA. CPA, obviously, because they have the additional designation are going to cost a bit more than an enrolled agent, typically. Mm-hmm. I think you can do it yourself, obviously. I like to pay professionals. And uh-huh. so I would I would first get a recommendation from somebody and then see if they're either, they'd obviously either be an enrolled agent or um, a CPA. And do you think it would be wise or unwise to ask like a family friend who does taxes to do your taxes? Yeah, that's totally fine. If you trust that person, because they could, they could totally do your taxes. Okay. I don't, I have plenty of people who have done that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I was like, I don't know, if, like, cause I, don't, I feel like my generation of people, like none of us know what we're doing. <laughs> ask and like my parents aren't very helpful either so I'm just like <laughs> I don't know what to do <laughs> no and I also think a lot of this stuff like comes down to also I don't want to say common sense but like go with your gut like if it if you're talking to somebody and they're talking over you or you feel like it's too expensive or it doesn't make sense like that's probably not a good sign so how much are starting... these like supposed to be because I don't know so that de- either yeah so that's a great question. It depends. I would say that I see tax returns going anywhere from like two fifty to five hundred, and it depends on the type of professional you're using, right? Somebody who has a designation will probably charge more than an enrolled agent, not always, not always an enrolled agent with thirty years experience is probably gonna also charge a lot. so mm-hmm. somewhere around there, yours is a w two so you're not doing a corporate tax return, you're not doing you know multiple businesses. those always obviously get more expensive, so yes, having uh, three states will make it a little bit more complicated, but not yeah. overly because it's still W-2. You're still, a, you know, get, getting W-2. So, yeah, I would start with your family friend if that feels comfortable and then and then go from there. Okay. I'll probably do that then. But, yeah, I think getting help with taxes makes sense. And then also just because if you end up going the L.A. route and doing a Roth conversion, you're going to want a tax professional to help with that too. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely look into that. Hopefully, I don't have to go that route. But hopefully not. I'm like really rooting for Washington here. <laughs> Thank you. I am too. It'd be <laughs> a great financial um, opportunity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mira, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and being so helpful. Like, I learned a ton right now. Oh, awesome. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram at Future Rich Podcast for our most up-to-date information. And you can check out our online classes in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.futurerichpodcast.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.